0: You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. I gotta tell you, I love the local church. And uh, I want you to love the local church. I want everybody to love the church because um, the church is like a family that has changed my whole life. And it wasn't always like that. When I was uh, a kid, my family really didn't go to church that much. And um, that didn't change until I was a junior in high school. And from that point forward, it's like everything about my life is different once I discovered this family that I didn't even know that I had. And uh, it reminds me about two men that I read about once. One's name was Gary and the other was Steve. And uh, for about 25 years, they were the best of friends. Uh, Steve was there when Gary's father died and... Gary was the best man in Steve's wedding, and they were really inseparable friends. And um, Gary was contacted one day by a caseworker to talk to him about what he thought was an adoption process that he was in for a child, and it turns out she wanted to talk to him about his adoption. He didn't even know that he had been adopted, and after a series of questions, he learned that he was the biological son of Benjamin and Marjorie Clark, and as he began talking about uh, his life with this social worker, he mentioned his friend Steve, and she began to ask him questions about Steve, and that led to a phone call to Steve, and just a few hours later, he learned that Steve, his best friend, was actually his brother. And it changed everything. As good as their relationship was, it changed everything about their relationship. And you know, that's really, to me, how the church is, because... We're not saved by the church. Uh, You can have a relationship with God outside of the church. But the church is like a family that we don't even realize that we have that can change everything about our relationship with God. And the Bible uses this image as it talks to us about the church. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. It's just why we need the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says that God predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. And what that means is the moment we are saved, we're adopted into the family of God. And this family that we become part of exists for the glory of God, and for the good of everybody who's part of that family. And those two ideas aren't mutually exclusive. They don't contradict one another. We glorify God more when we're together than we can when we're apart, and we benefit from our relationship with others that, in such a way that it enhances our relationship with God. Jesus affirmed that the church was like a family when he said in Mark chapter 3 verse 32 and following he said behold or someone came to him and asked behold your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you and Jesus answered the man and said who are my mother and my brothers and looking around at those who were sitting around him he said behold my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. You know, even imagine that. I mean, God himself talks about his people together as a family. And again, I, I, I don't want to be confused to be saying something that I'm not. We're not saved by the church. We can be born again outside of the church. We have a relationship with God individually that uh, is not contingent upon our relationship with the church, and yet the church is God's family. And so, it enhances our relationship with God in a way that we would never want to neglect the church. And so, here in Hebrews chapter 10, in verses 22 and following, uh, it talks about prioritizing the local church. And Of all the times in my life when it was difficult to prioritize the church, my college years were the toughest, and I understand what that's like. And so what I'd like to do is give you three reasons why the local church ought to be important to all of us as we follow Christ together. And the first reason here in verse uh, 23 of Hebrews chapter 10 is that Jesus died to make corporate worship possible. We should love the church because Jesus died so that we could worship corporately as the people of God. Let me show you that. Verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. At the risk of being a little technical here, I want to kind of build for you the argument that the writer of Hebrews is making and show how that's relevant to our, our corporate gathering as the church. He says, let us hold fast this confession. He's talking about the perseverance or endurance of a Christian man or woman. And he's doing that in the context that began back in verse 19 where he teaches us that it's through Jesus that we have access to the presence of God. Jesus is our mediator. He's our advocate that makes it possible for us to worship God. In fact, if you look in verse 19, he says that we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And when he talks about the holy place, that's an image back to the Old Testament Uh, In the tabernacle and in the uh, temple, uh, there was a place called the Holy of Holies where God's presence would literally dwell among the people. And he's saying that through the blood of Jesus, the veil has been torn and we can boldly enter into the presence of God. We can worship him. It's because of Jesus that we individually get to do that. And in verse 23, he says, Therefore, we're to hold fast this confession of our hope. And when he talks about our hope, he's not referring to wishful uncertainty, but he's instead talking about confidence. He's saying, this is a hope you can build your life on. Think of it. You can know God. You can worship God. You can have a relationship with God. And this reality in the present changes everything about your future. So hold fast to that. Persevere in that. He's confident so much so that he's saying you're not just saved today, but you'll be saved in the future because of Christ. All of this is individually. He's just saying as a person, you can have this hope or this confidence in Christ. And as a result of that, you hold fast to it without wavering. Uh, It's the idea of without bending or without breaking. You can live every day of your life without looking back, to your life before Christ. And then he concludes verse 23 saying that all that's possible because he who promised it is faithful. The reason we know God and the reason that we can be holy and live lives that honor God are because God is faithful to keep his promises to us through his son, Jesus. Now, all of that is encouraging by itself. And he's saying we can remain faithful without wavering as individuals. But what you might be thinking is, okay, well, I get that, but what does that have to do with corporate worship together in the church? Well, simply this, it's impossible to worship God as an individual unless Jesus provides access to God. And it's therefore impossible for us to worship corporately as the people of God unless he provides that same access. Just as he is faithful to us as individuals, he is faithful to us as the body of Christ. And here's why we know that. Because in verse 19 down through verse 23, if you look at it carefully, he's emphasizing our individual personal walk with Christ. And then in verse 24 and 25, he emphasizes our corporate access to God as the church or as the people of God. So verse 23 is like the hinge that looks inwardly to what's personal but looks outwardly to our church experience. So note the progression. He's saying because Jesus provides individual access to God, the right response is to gather corporately with the people of God to worship Him as well. It's impossible to enjoy God's manifest presence in your life apart from both private and public worship. So, what we're not saying is that the only way to worship God is in the church, because the reality is, if the only time you worship God is on Sunday, that worship's going to be lacking. But we're also not saying that. It's sufficient just to worship God by yourself in your prayer closet or in your car or or wherever you are while ignoring the people of God because you're leaving on the table many of the avenues that God wants to make his presence known in your life. So I'm not saying we can't experience God privately, but I am saying if we want to experience him to the fullest, it takes private and public worship. There's a verse of Scripture that I have loved for a lot of years, and I bet you're probably familiar with this. Over in Philippians chapter 3, you know where the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think? How many of you know that verse? Yeah, that's such a good verse. But the very next verse adds a detail that I did not notice until about a year ago. It says, to him, Jesus, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what that means is that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above that you could ever ask or think in your life, and he wants to do that by glorifying himself in the church. So the first reason that we really ought to value the local church is because Jesus died to make corporate worship possible. And if I want to experience him to the fullest, I've got to have seasons of private worship and I've got to have rhythms of corporate worship. The bottom line is we need one another to worship God in these ways. But Let me show you a second reason why the church ought to be something that we love and, and, and prioritize in our lives. That is, Christian community makes corporate worship powerful. We, we know that corporate worship's possible because of Jesus' work on the cross. But I want us to think together about why it's powerful in a way that it's not when we're just by ourselves. And the answer is Christian community is what makes corporate worship powerful. You see, when we gather with a singleness of purpose, namely the Lord's glory, we're able to admonish and to encourage one another in practical expressions of worship that aren't distracted by our personal agendas. Corporate worship is powerful because The momentum of our personal experiences unite us around Jesus beyond our personal experiences. So what I'm saying, what what I'm trying to say there is that there's some things that have happened in my life that you can benefit from, but you won't have access to that experience apart from the community that is the church. And there's some things about your walk with God that I can benefit from that won't be present if you're not present in the church. And when we put all of these collective experiences together, it builds a a community of faith that makes our worship powerful and our walk with God powerful in a way that is uh, clear and and, um, just uh, momentous. Uh, Whereas if all we do is focus on what God's doing in our lives or our personal growth or our personal walk with God and and we ignore what he's doing around us in other people's lives, we miss out on the power of seeing how big God's glory is. So, so, So let me try to illustrate that for you tonight. On the count of three, I want everybody in this room as loud as you can to say your first and your last name, all right? Can you do that for me? One, two, three. Okay, let's do it one more time. One, two, three. All right, you're trying really hard for everybody to hear your name. Now, how many of you could make out a name Okay, maybe the person sitting right beside you, maybe. But hey, listen, I couldn't make out one name. And I was trying really hard to just hear one name. But I couldn't, and that's the way it is when our focus is ourselves. We're oblivious to what God's doing around us when our focus, is on ourselves. But, but let me show you something that's very, very different than that. On the count of three, I want everybody as loud as you can to say the name Jesus. All right? One, two, three. Jesus. All right, do it one more time. One, two, three. Jesus. All right. Now, do you see how clear that is? Do you see how powerful that is? Your collective voices are stronger and louder and clearer together than any individual voice in this room tonight. And that's the way worship is. When we come together under the banner of Christ and we stop focusing on ourselves, even if just for a short moment, God's presence is clear and it's powerful. Uh, but our agendas, our, our, our personal agendas and preferences and uh, struggles and, and even our burdens, they distract from that. So what what corporate worship does is it lifts our gaze so that we can see beyond all of that in a way that Christ, is glorified and we benefit from one another in ways that without one another we can't benefit. Look at verse 24 here. He says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. He says, consider, literally focus on, fix your attention upon. Think about how you can encourage others It means give attention to what you can do that is for the benefit of other believers. Corporate gatherings help us to to focus on the body, and it's healthy because we don't naturally put the needs of others before our own needs. It's good for us to do this, he says, consider how to stimulate one another, how to prod one another, how to stir up, how to to motivate one another to, to love and to good deeds. When we do this, it makes us more faithful, not less. It makes us more in tune with God, not less in tune. In thinking through this and just how to communicate it tonight, one of the things I did was jot down all of the corporate admonitions for believers in the New Testament. And what was striking to me, this isn't a comprehensive list, but what was so striking to me is how many of God's commands you cannot obey by yourself. In other words, you have to have other believers in your life, Christian community, in order to be faithful to keep these commands. So, for example, Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another. Romans 12.16, be of the same mind toward one another. Romans 14.19, build up one another. Romans 15.7, accept one another. Romans 15.14, admonish one another. 1 Corinthians 12.25, care for one another. 1 Corinthians 16.20, Greet one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another and forgive one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another. James 5.16, pray for one another. 1 John 1.7, f- fellowship with one another. On and on and on it goes. I, I'm just scratching the surface there. But you can't obey any of those commands apart from Christian community that we find in the local church. And you know, as a pastor, I hear all kinds of reasons why people don't prioritize the church. And if, if I'm honest, sometimes some of them kind of resonate with me. And I get it. People will tell horrible stories about Maybe something bad that happened in the church or maybe someone did something to them in the church and they just can't get over it maybe somebody said something and it was offensive and or, or just whatever it is and and you're and, and what we're really saying is man it's just really hard to forgive and to move on and i get that cuz i've experienced that too but what god is saying to us is that the reason Corporate worship is powerful is because it forces us to forgive and to move on. You you can't learn to forgive if you never have to forgive. And it's the irony of the local church. What well, you say, well, bad things happen in church. Yeah, they do. Because churches are full of sinners. But the silver lining to all of that is that God teaches us how to live out his commands to love and to forgive and to be patient and to bear burdens. Do any of you know somebody that's just burdensome? You don't answer out loud, but I mean, somebody you just don't enjoy? Somebody you don't like being around? Um, I believe God puts somebody like that in every church. purpose because we need to learn to love those that we wouldn't naturally love that's when the spirit of Christ grows in our lives Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners and we think well that's easy because he's God and I'm not well you're you're not nor am I but he wants us to be like him and this is why corporate worship is so powerful because we're not monolithic. We, we come to a gathering like this and, and on Sundays. And, and this is why it's important, too, not to jump from church to church to church. You've got to kind of plant somewhere to know who, who you're around and what, what the burdens are and the issues are and what the victories are and the experiences are and what the need to forgive is and, and all of that. It's all just one big thing. And you grow through it and you mature through it and, and you're better of it. He tells us that the goal of this prodding, this motivating, is we're to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That means we rejoice with those that rejoice. It means we weep with those that weep. It means that we pray together. It means we grow together. We thank God together. We struggle together. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't think I'm, I don't think there's anybody in here that this would embarrass. But, you know, this expo that we've just put on, one of my favorite ministries, I don't know what that was. One of my favorite ministries out there is our special buddies ministry. It's one of the reasons I wanted to come here because when I was touring our church, um I was walking down the hall, and they showed me the special buddies room. And I thought to myself, if this church will love special buddies, this church will love anybody. And that's the kind of church I want to be part of. Um, but maybe you met one of my friends out there who's one of our special buddies. And He walked up to me tonight, and he was so proud of the table out there that he helped to decorate. And what he wanted me to see was Pastor Your picture's on our table. There was a picture that I had forgotten we even took where I visited their room. There I was with him and some of the special buddies. I, I can't tell you how special that is to me and how absent, what a void that would be if that weren't part of my life. And it wouldn't be part of my life if it weren't for the local church. Rejoicing. Have you ever rejoiced with someone just, that just had a major prayer answered in their life or a major burden lifted? Or have you ever wept with somebody that was really, really hurting, going through a deep valley? Some of you know our family story. My son, who's now 15, when he was three years old, he had leukemia for three years from age three to age six. And we walked through that valley and it was horrible. It was the worst. Time of my life, and I can't even imagine how we would have survived it if it weren't for the body of Christ weeping with us as we wept. That's why you need the church. It's not because of any of the exterior things that we see or any of the preferences that we prize, it's because God just gives us drops little gifts in our lives through his body, and that's when our worship is powerful and it stimulates us to love better. We're not naturally loving people, but he helps us be more loving. It also stimulates us to good deeds, he says in verse 24, good deeds that flow out of biblical worship. You find yourself serving in ways that you would never serve. Some of you looked at ministries out there, Tonight, and you're going, I, you know, I would never even have thought of this. And maybe a month from now, some of you are going to be serving in some of those ministries, and you're going to look around and go, if it weren't for the church, I would have never got involved in this. But it stirred you to good deeds. This is why corporate worship is powerful. Christian community makes corporate worship powerful. Well, there's one more thing I want to say about why we should prioritize the church. Jesus died to make corporate worship possible. Christian community makes corporate worship powerful. But Then let me also say, verse 25, Christ's coming makes corporate worship priority. Look at verse 25. He says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, don't forsake or abandon the assembling of yourself together. That word assembling, interestingly enough, is the same word that's used in the New Testament when the Bible speaks of the rapture of the church. Over in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, Paul says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together, our assembling together in him. So when he describes the coming of the Lord and our assembling together in God's presence, he uses the same language to describe the assembly of the local church every time it gathers. And his point is, can you imagine how powerful it's going to be? Can you imagine how joyful it's going to be when we meet the Lord? Because that is what church ought to be like. And I know it's not always like that, but it ought to be like that. And when it's not like that, we ought to ask God why it isn't. And we ought to start in our own hearts. And we ought to admonish and encourage one another about the privilege and priority of gathering together. He says that we are to not forsake this assembling together, as is the habit of some. He just acknowledges, look, our habit is to just kind of be loners. To just hide, you know, in our dorm rooms, or to hide in front of a live stream, uh, or, or to just, you know, kind of be introverted. I don't know if any of you are introverted, but I'm kind of a naturally introverted person. I know you may think that's strange because of what I do, but uh, it's it's tough for me to just to get out and just be with people and get to know people and... really got to push myself to do that and the church helps me to do that but it's not my natural habit the natural habit is for us to clam up and hide he acknowledges that that is the habit of some but we're to be encouraging one another again it's motivating one another and then he says all the more as you see the day drawing near what day drawing near is he talking about? He's talking about the coming of Christ. And he's saying we're stronger when we don't forsake the assembling and when we're not motivated. If nothing else motivates us, what we ought to say is, you know what, Jesus could come back any And We are the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We, we're the bride of Christ. And I don't want to be outside of the church not in fellowship with the church when I meet the Lord who gave himself for the church. Again, it's not that the church saves. We don't believe that. But If Jesus loved the church, I want to love the church because when I meet him, I'm going to give an account for how well I loved what he loved. The future accountability of meeting Jesus, in other words, demands our accountability right now in the present. You won't be ready to meet the Lord if you don't walk in fellowship with the Lord's people because of all those reasons we said, corporate worship is powerful. You know, it's something else you learn in closing, i just say, you, you just realize how big God's family is when you're part of the church. Remember Gary and Steve that I told you about? The two friends that were brothers, well, not only did they learn that they were brothers, their caseworker also revealed they had 11 other siblings. A friend at work, one of Gary's partners, was also his brother. His former girlfriend, you guessed it, his sister. That's the way the church is. Maybe that last part, that's not a good. (laughs) I'm just saying, what you realize in the church is that God's family is bigger than you realize it is. His kingdom, His work, it's bigger than any one of us. But that doesn't exclude any of us. So I love the church. And I want you to love the church. And I want to tell you that we, the church here at Englewood, we we want to love you well uh, if you want to be part of what God's doing here.